Welcome to the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer and business coach helping you to live in your purpose. And that is what this podcast is all about. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Weave Your Bliss. I'm Paula. Welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. Today, we have an interview with Brandy Jordan. Brandy is a certified lactation consultant, pediatric sleep specialist, newborn care specialist, and a postpartum doula. She holds a BA in child development and a master's of social work from USC, where she is adjunct faculty lecturing in the area of infant mental health and culturally competent mental health care. In 2009, she opened the Cradle Company, a pregnancy and postpartum resource center. Brandy's work as a consultant, parenting group leader, and in-home practitioner has led her to develop a unique philosophy of gentle parenting techniques that are pragmatic, practical, and healthy as an approach for the whole family. In 2018, Brandy founded the National Association of Birth Workers of Color. I am so excited to share this interview with you because... Brandy is just a wealth of information and has such beautiful energy. We talk about her journey to doing birth work. And also we talk about business because we both really enjoy thinking about business and business strategy. And so she talks about the importance of sharing your story. And we talk about manifestation and how that can be problematic and her views on it and her ideas about living in your purpose and other things around birth work that I learned new things about during this conversation. So I really hope that it inspires you and you enjoy it. Before we jump in, I want to let you know that the program that I run for spiritual entrepreneurs, Your Magnetic Blueprint, starts in 10 days. So you have 10 days to sign up for the last round of 2022. We will not be running this program again until 2023. And it may be in a different form, actually. I'm not sure yet. But this is a good group of entrepreneurs forming. I really hope you decide to join. There's really limited space so that I can pay attention to each person. What this program is all about is helping you to build the confidence and the clarity in your business. You're doing some foundational work, whether you've been in business for a while or you're newer or you're pivoting into a new business. This is a really great way to honor the energy of Saturn and Jupiter by clarifying your numbers and your vision. These are so important when you're running a business to professionalize and get really clear about where you're going. In fact, you never really stop doing this. And I am in the process of doing this again, which I will be doing with this group. So... We do this first and then we work on limiting beliefs to get to our next level and working with digesting the planetary energies. Then we talk about messaging and offer creation. If you've been in business a while and you haven't really found the sweet spot for making the income you want, and ideally I'm sort of visualizing for my clients that they're making $10,000 a month after working with me or during the time we're working together, if you're a one-on-one client... The reason is because that amount allows you to start to expand into growing into the next level and next level of your business. It allows you to feel really secure. It allows you to give your gifts at their utmost because you're doing it from a place of security and power. So 
my goal is to help people kind of create offerings that are going to get them there. So what is really special about this program is there's an offers hot seat where you get to bring your offers that you've created through the program. And I help you really craft something that you can literally turn around and start selling. Last week, I was talking to one of my clients who had just launched her offer. And as we were talking, she had three sales for her new offer. So it's really exciting to me to see the people who came out of the June, July group this past summer are now selling their offerings and getting sales. So if you're interested in moving through this accelerator, it's an eight week program. You get a lot of Q and a time with me, then do jump in. The information is in the show notes. And this again will be the last round that I run this year. So I hope that you'll join us now on to our interview with Brandy Jordan. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Brandy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you. You are so, you have so many talents. I'm sort of curious if you can first talk to us about your journey with birth work. Like what first inspired you to go on to that path? Uh, well, I always knew I wanted to work with families. I didn't definitely didn't know it would be this way. So I was home from college for my freshman year of college and I was in the car listening to NPR and they were talking about this old timey career called midwifery. And I was like, what are midwives? What is this? And I literally cold called a birth center in Houston, Texas, where I'm from. And for whatever crazy reason, they allowed a 19 year old to come and learn and shadow them. And basically back then we weren't called doulas. We were called birth assistants or birth attendants. There was also the word monitrice and it had a more clinical implication to it than like doula work now, but that's how I started. Um, but at the time I was still 19. At my first time assisting them with the birth, it was a 10 pound baby born to first time parents and the water. And I was just like, this is just so amazing, but who's going to hire a 19 year old to do this? Never mind. And so I kind of left like, oh, this is a hobby. This is not something I would actually do. And then I moved to Los Angeles to complete my undergraduate studies. And I moved next door to the Hollywood Birthing Center by accident, chance, on purpose. I don't know. But I went and they were like, oh, you want to be a doula? And I was like, what's that? They're like, what you've been doing? But, you know, go take this training. So I took this training. And then like, basically, that was 20 years of my life. I started off just doing something that I loved. I was told so many times that you couldn't make money doing this that it could only be a hobby or something like that. And so I kind of had this viewpoint going into it, that it was just something that filled me with joy and I was good at it. And at some point, my mom was like, you kind of, you work like 40 hours a week doing this. This kind of feels like a job. Like <laughs> maybe you should charge people. So FYI, I wasn't charging people. And I was like, because I had been drilled in, like this can't be a business. This can't be a job. And so, yeah, I started charging people and the rest is history. And quickly at that age, which I was, you know, at this point, 21-ish, quickly build a big roster of clients, um, a lot of high profile kind of families and clients and had this just amazing roster of people and had a business on my hands. But it was kind of, it found me. Mm -hmm. It's amazing because your expertise is so all-encompassing. You're not just a doula. You're also an expert at parenting and child development, right? You have a master's degree. Like you really have a knack for being <laughs> around families and children. And it's like, mate, you've made it your life's work to kind of be an expert in this whole field, you know? So it's beyond just being a doula at this point. So the reason that I say that is because I told you right before we jumped on is that you have this beautiful planetary combination in your chart. And it's actually quite rare. I've, I've only seen it 
like in a couple people in my lifetime. So for the nerds in the room like me who are really into astrology, she has a Kalpa Dharma Yoga, which is it basically is it's the wish fulfilling tree. It allows you to make a huge impact in your lifetime. So you're able to not only like see a way forward, but like make it happen as well and have like obstacles removed from your path. So it's super interesting because you're also ruled by Jupiter and Jupiter's in the fifth exalted for those astrology nerds out there. You're also in your Jupiter period. And so this is like you are doing the work of Jupiter. You're working with children. That's very much of the planet Jupiter, but also like excelling at it, like beyond, 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 you know what I mean? So what do you make of all that? (laughs) Like I always had a knack for working with children. Like, you know, at nine, I was babysitting my little sister who was born when I was nine, which no one would do that in 2022. But back then that was completely normal. <laughs> so, and it picked me, but I'm so attuned to do this because beyond like, you know, my expertise in working with babies, it's really that I have, I feel a knack of really helping parents come into their own and feel competent to feel more connected to their own intuition and I feel like I just, I have this sense of bringing calm into people's lives. And so I know that I was meant to be doing the work and it's obviously blossomed to other things. Like it, you know, led me to get my master's in social work. It led me to become a lactation consultant, to do so many other things. And now like books and all the other things that will happen, you know, in this area, but it really comes from just having this innate sense of like helping people to see that like parenting family life, pregnancy, birth can be joyous. Like it doesn't have to be doom and gloom. Like so many people kind of paint that picture that, oh, you know, once you have a toddler or once you do this, you're never going to sleep again. And it's some of those things, but it can be something that's really peaceful and fulfilling as well. And so I think that's what I bring to people. Yeah. That it's like about mindset a lot. Yeah. Like I'm always expecting the best thing to happen for myself. And I'm always expecting the best thing to happen for my clients and their babies and their families. And I think in some ways that can be a contagious mindset. And I think that a lot of people get comfort from that. Like I'm always expecting like your baby's going to thrive. You're going to thrive. Even if they don't believe it, they can kind of feed off of my belief in that until they do. Totally. So can you walk us through the moment you kind of decided that this was going to be a business and it was going to become like a really madly successful. <laughs> I don't business. even know that I, I don't even know that I um, necessarily decided. I kind of just like, I'm really. One of my, I would say one of my good qualities is that I am very much moved by my own intuition. Like I am moved by my gut feeling and it just felt like this feels good. It feels like the right thing. I don't know that I was worried about it being successful. I just knew that it felt good, that I was good at it and that something good would come from it. And so I think for me, it was more of just leaning into my own strength then I had a strength of like going into a home with completely frazzled people who are fighting and babies are crying and there's like complete mayhem and leaving them like with peace and connection and rest and health and just leaned into that. And I think throughout my career in life, I've done a lot of that. Like even when it didn't make sense on the outside, probably to other people, it was always the right decision and it came from my gut. Yeah. It's interesting because the fifth house is also about like what we're creating. So it's about children, but it's also about what we're creating, our vision. It's about our dharma. So in our, you know, it's just like what we're meant to be doing. And so having such a strong sense of that, it it helps to let the intuition kind of lead in a certain way. Like what tips would you have for someone who's trying to learn to trust that intuition? 
I think you, one, have to let go of having so many outside sources of information and opinions. Because there's going to be this very much like, I got to do the pros and cons. And I need to like ask this person, ask my friend and consult with my husband. And it's really hard to hear your own voice if you cloud it with so many other voices. And so have the one coach, you know, like Paula, have your one confident person that you can share your dream or what you're trying to create, but keep so much of it for yourself so that you can process. Because oftentimes when I'm following my intuition, it doesn't mean that I feel like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. I'm also feeling like this is scary. Like, am I making the right decision? Like it would be so much more easier and, and more comfortable to stay where I'm at and do this thing. And so in that space, if I were to allow other people to come in with their fears and their projections, so many of the things that I have done wouldn't have been able to lift off because I think I would have easily folded with a little bit of negativity from outside people because I wasn't that rooted in the belief myself yet. I love that. So, well, first of all, what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? Can you explain that? So a doula is a non-medical professional that is there to provide emotional, physical support during pregnancy and postpartum. So they're there to help you with education, pain management. They are there to assist you during your birth and postpartum. Whereas a midwife is a medical professional. They have taken a board exam, just like your OBGYN would have taken. They actually are licensed by the same board of um, medicine and they can actually prescribe medication. They are actually delivering the baby and can deal with all of the like clinical medical things that come along with a low risk pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so why would somebody want to have both, for example? Well, if you have a doula and you don't have a midwife, then nobody's going to be there to get your baby out when it's time to get the baby out. (laughs) So (laughs) you need to either have a midwife or a doctor to help you with that part of having the baby because we don't do that. So most people are choosing a midwife because they like that model of care versus the medical model. Not to say they're not doing medicine, but it's a different way that they practice. Like the average person, when you go with your OBGYN, um, you're probably spending no more than six minutes with them on average during a visit. Whereas meeting with your midwife, those meetings can be an hour, 90 minutes. They're going into like really deep history about you, your family, your couple. If you have a partner, um, they know your kids' names. Like it's a much more comprehensive way of thinking about providing medical care. And the reason that is done is that we know that if women in pregnancy feel that sense of trust, they feel a connection to their providers. You know, things that might be issues or potential issues in pregnancy and birth can be caught faster because I can see that you come in, you look a little bit lethargic, or I know that you're having issues with your husband and they can help to address those things early in the pregnancy. So for a lot of people, you get more preventative care And it's the kind of care that makes you feel more relaxed during your delivery, which for a lot of people is going to mean a faster, safer delivery. And so then choosing a doula, like what would that be? I think there's a lot of misconceptions about why one would choose a doula. And there's different types of doulas. There is a birth doula who's there to support you during your pregnancy and your birth. And what usually happens is they have some meetings with you prior to having your baby to help you kind of make sense of what the protocols are for where you're going to deliver, kind of help you to create a birth plan or the kind of things that are important to you about your birth. A lot of times they're educating people on what those things even are. They don't even know what questions to ask when it's your first time having a baby. And then you have postpartum doulas who are usually there after you come home from the hospital. They're there to kind of help you kind of get back to your normal functioning. So educating you on newborn care, making sure that mom has a cup of tea and is taken care of. And they're really there to kind of support you in those days and weeks after having the baby. Now, I think for birth doulas, most people think that you would only hire one if you're looking to have a natural unmedicated birth. 
or should I say non-intervention? Because I think all births are natural, but having a non-intervention birth. Um, but the truth is, I feel that the people who need midwives the most are the people who are delivering in a hospital. Because there's so many decisions that need to be made that you need to understand the impact of them. So a good example of this is if you want to have an epidural, like, you know, okay, I want to like kick this pain out as soon as possible when I get to the hospital. That's good information to know, but you're going to want to be educated in knowing that, let's say you have that epidural very early in the birthing process, you increase your risk of having cesarean section by a really big amount simply, just simply because you didn't wait until you were in active labor. You want someone to educate you on that. So it's not about having no interventions, it's about knowing when and what impact certain decisions make. And so what happens if you have it too early, What it will usually slow down the labor. And if things like your water has broken or things have happened, you start to be on a time clock. And if you're not, your body's not doing what it should do by a certain time, you're more likely to have to do more things to induce the labor, take different kinds of medications, which then sometimes can more likely lead to a cesarean section. And so having a doula helps you to get educated on these things that most people wouldn't even think to even know, learn, or get educated about. It's super fascinating because it's one of the hugest things that someone can go through in their life to give birth. And we think about like you and I are in, you know, the coaching field, so to speak, like you do help people with their businesses as well. I don't know if you would call yourself a coach, but we help people through these transitions and through navigating things. And it makes total sense that you would want to have a lot of support while you're going through this really big transition. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I think that we kind of have gotten fooled in the West by this kind of like individuality and having like, you know, the 2.5 individual family where in most cultures around the world, kids are truly raised in a village. You do have that family support. And so what we see here in the West is that New parents are isolated. You know, they don't have that same support. Maybe or maybe not grandma can fly from New York to come help you. But, you know, with that, that isolation means that we're not passing down the information on how to care for yourself and how to care for your children. And so for a lot of us, we've had to outsource that with getting, you know, outside help to become our village. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, once we get outside help for something, maybe it's your business, maybe it's, you know, to have a life coach or something like that. We're like, oh, this is what I've been missing. This is so helpful. Right. Like once you've had that support, you're like, (laughs) okay, I understand why some people have been praising this practice of getting a coach for so long or or whatever. So I want to talk a little bit about business because I know that you love talking about business as much as I do. And one of the strategies that you are really love to talk about is telling your story. And so like we've been talking a little bit about your story here. Can you talk about like why that's so important for your business as a whole? Oh, I decided early on that I just wanted to like always show up as myself. And it's significant in in my industry, like for people who don't know me, like I'm a black woman and, you know, 20 years ago, there weren't black doulas, to be very honest. When I started in Los Angeles and thinking the city of Los Angeles is a pretty diverse place, um, I knew of one other black doula in the entire city of Los Angeles. And so, you know, I was basically coming into a space where there weren't very people who looked like me and not that, that should have any impact on my work or, but it, it does, like it, it depends on like who's hiring you and what the standard is and so there were things that I had to navigate that there weren't really people to talk to about or who really understood that. But for me, it just meant that like, I often had to forge my own way of like making things happen. Like I wasn't necessarily waiting for like some of the like doula groups or clicks to like, you know, give me their overflow or like pass on clients to me. 
And so for me, it just really meant creating those opportunities for myself, which is part of my personality anyway. But I think that I definitely came into it without this idea that I was going to get a lot of help to build. If anything, I was told not to do and that I couldn't be successful and that I should just, you know, this is an actual quote that I should volunteer in the urban neighborhood. So given that was my mentorship, and I'm putting that in huge quotations, that there, there wasn't this path. And so I really had to think about how to create something for myself that, you know, would be sustainable and like would be joyful. And I think that when I'm thinking about how I kind of created this kind of thing for myself and storytelling is that showing up myself was like, I didn't want everyone to have to code switch. Like what people see on my social media, how I speak to people, how I relate to friends and colleagues. It's what my clients see as well. Like I don't have separation between like my business page and my personal page. It's all me. And so I think that level of authenticity that I was told to refrain from was actually the thing that brought me more clients, um, that had me more connected to my colleagues. And so, you know, every day I get to show up being just completely myself and get paid to do it. And I feel like for me, storytelling has been the cornerstone of my business because I've been able to like share the kinds of situations that I've experienced as a dual, the kind of families that I've served and what I've been able to do with them in a very like authentic and touching way to people. Um, and I can say in like all these years, I've never looked for clients. They've always found me. And it wasn't until maybe 2017, the first time I like I advertised and I've been doing this since 2001. For me, it was a testament to people just getting a sense of who I was and really liking me and liking what I had to say and my values and how I show up in the world was enough to get people to say yes to my services. And so I kind of share that with anyone who will listen when it comes to their business. The the overcomplication of business, I think is something that I've tried really hard to stay away from and just stuck to sharing who I am, how I can help and creating conversations with people versus just filling them with tons of information. Right. And I talk about that a lot, like not talking at your people, but Mm -hmm. talking to them and developing relationships with them, creating a campfire experience. Like if you're going to do social media, do it in a way that's inviting them to sit down and be with you in the space. So yeah, it's all very powerful. Like your testament, you are a testament to how this actually works. So that's awesome. And also... You and I have talked a little bit about manifestation, and I think we both agree there's some <laughs> problems with how it's taught out in the world that it doesn't acknowledge privilege or real barriers that people face. But can you talk a little bit about that as well? Because I think it's sort of related to how we present or how we show up. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've manifested so much in my life, but I'm very clear with people that it wasn't just like me, like putting it on a vision board and walking away. Or like I tell always, my clients always joke, always say like, it's not these magazine articles about you just need to sun your vagina and that's how you're (laughs) going to manifest everything. You're going to (laughs) activate. Like none of that was required to be able to manifest, but there is like, there is action that's actually being taken, but the manifestation is really about the belief. It's, you know, how much I believe something was going to happen, that it was for me, that I didn't have to get bogged down in the how. And to me, that's the cornerstone of manifestation is having a clear intention of where it is that you're wanting to go without getting bogged in on how you're going to get there. Because literally the things that I've manifested, there's no way that I could have figured out or planned the way in which that happened. 
So I tell people a story, like, I really wanted to spend some time in the South of France. And I wrote on Facebook, like, I want to spend like just a long, slow travel in France and just really get to explore. And literally 10 days later, a lady messaged me on Facebook and was like, oh, there's a woman who's looking for a doula who speaks French and who lives in France. I'm like, I don't speak French. I live in France. She's not looking for me. <laughs> and so she's like, well, just call this lady. I she, I told her I knew someone who just like call her. And I was just like, well, maybe I might know someone because my husband happens to be French. And so I was like, maybe I know someone I can help her out. And so I called and this woman happened to live in my neighborhood. And so for anyone who lives in LA, it's a big place. And so for someone to live in your neighborhood is usually not the case. And so I was like, "Mm, okay. So I walked over to her house and (laughs) she was actually brokering it for her friend slash client that happened to be an actress. And she was like, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, the shop is for me. Like my fee is is triple what she's asking. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't live there. I don't speak the language. So everything that they wanted, I did not have that thing or I wanted something differently. And so an hour later, she was like, the mom would still really love to meet with you. And I was just like, okay, what is it going to hurt? I'll just meet with her. And I paused. I told my husband, I was like, if I meet with her, we're going to move to France. We're going to have to be there in 23 days. Because I just had that belief that all these little points of synchronicity mean something. And so he's like, okay, that's fine. And so I met with her and she literally hired me through FaceTime. And we had 23 days to move to the south of France, which has now become a four-year kind of living arrangement for us where we split between here and France. Um, Originally, it was a six-month contract that I had working with her. But again, it's like all these things. And, And at the end of all of it, I was like didn't I post on Facebook that I wanted to be doing this? (laughs) But there's no way I could have orchestrated those events to happen for me. But I think putting it out there into the universe and just activating, like, you know, I was reading this book the other day that said that, like, you've already selected your helpers. You know, like, we don't even know, like, the agreements that we made and the things that we asked for before being here. And so the help has already been selected. It was just me saying I wanting this thing and putting it out there that they became activated to help me. I don't even know who this woman was that messaged me on Facebook. I have no recollection of who this person is. I didn't know her then, don't know her now. And that person was on my path to, like, get me to this space. And I think so many of us pass up these little small points of synchronicity or these feelings of like, you know what, I should make that call or I should apply to that thing, even though it's not perfect for me. Because sometimes in there is the thing that you've been asking for. I tell a story on on like the first, one of the first episodes of the podcast of how that happened for me as well. I had had this intuitive hit that I needed to skip the holidays and go to India and asked Facebook for a recommendation to get Ayurvedic treatments and ended up meeting my mentor, my yoga teacher and Krishna Das all at the same time at this like uh, space, you know, and it, I couldn't have orchestrated that. I didn't know that's what I needed, but it set me on the path that I'm on in such a beautiful way. It just like unfolded everything. So the fact that I, even though it was scary for me to go by myself and to like take this big leap, I had to listen to that. So I hear, you know, resonance in what you're saying. I think it's so important that we listen to those little hits and just check them out. Like even if you get a hit that feels way overwhelming, just mm-hmm. make the call and see what happens instead exactly. of just saying no. Yeah. You know? I think we kind of just cut ourselves off so quickly when something doesn't feel like a perfect fit. And that's in, in any way, whether it's love or business or any kind of relationships that we often don't give it the breath and the space that it needs for you to actually be able to see that it actually is a fit for you. Yeah. You were talking earlier about like how you you are with families that are kind of in disarray. And I've heard you say before, like you're able to go into a situation with a child and get them to sleep. And the parents are like, how'd you do that? Like, we can't get that. You know, I think 
there's something in here about like cultivating our presence and maybe like, can you talk about that and how that even relates to your business? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple. So one of the things that my most coined things that all my clients repeat that I say is that calm is contagious. And the way this kind of came about is that like, I would, you know, do these virtual consults for sleep and I tell them step by step what to do. They would, you know, be following it, but it just wouldn't work. And I was just like, I don't understand. I'm coming over there. So I'd go over there. I would do the thing. And then two minutes later, the baby be sleeping. They'd be like, we, okay, we did exactly what you did. Like, I don't know why this kid is like playing us like this. What's happening? And I kind of just paused. I was like, it's not what I'm thinking. I mean, it's not what I'm doing. It's actually what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. I'm never thinking that your baby's not going to sleep. I'm never thinking like, oh my God, how long is this going to take? Is it going to happen? And your child is really just absorbing that sense of security and steadfastness, the steadfastness that I feel about how well they're going to do. They feel that and they're doing it in kind. It's also kind of this philosophy that I talk about called uh, parental perception and how much that shapes our children where like I could have the same exact history as you have, but I have a completely different outcome or view of that particular situation. A lot of it's based on how the adults around me shaped that and shaped my perception along with that, you know, telling some other people about um, like I went to eight different elementary schools um, because we lived in a lot of feast and famine when I was a child after my parents were divorced. That probably sounds terrible to people like, oh my God, like, and, and it probably was on some level, like, oh, if we're moving again, or we got evicted or whatever. But I don't feel in my bones that this was a trauma. I don't feel scarred by it. I remember being frustrated, like, Ugh, like we don't have our things or, you know, we got to move to another place. But I can 100% say that's because of what was the perception of the adults around me. It was kind of like, we're going to figure this out. There was still laughter. We were still in joy. I was still very loved. And so I knew this wasn't the norm and that we didn't want this to happen. But there wasn't this perception of my mother or adult figures that this was a terrible thing in our life that was happening. And so that then shaped my own perception of those things. And so when I work with parents, I'm often teaching them how much does the perception they have about the world they're raising their kids in, the things that are happening can actually shape your child's own perception of the world and how they see this thing that's happening. And so a lot of my work with families is for them to understand how powerful their own mindset is to how they can develop children who have this idea that all is possible and that everything can be figured out. And for the most part, we're going to be okay. So how do you think this impacts your business? Like being able to show up like that and, you know, have that kind of perception? Because I work with people on this as well. I mean, I feel like on some level that belief is just part of my biology, but I just believe so deeply in, in my own ability and other people's abilities. And I feel like in working with them, I'm basically just shining a mirror back to them so they can see what I see. And so in business, it really looks like, you know, I always feel like I have a theme for like, if I'm writing something, I want to have like a theme of what I want people to feel or learn or for business. And I would say my underlying theme always is like inspiring people to have a bigger vision for what they can do, be and accomplish. And so in my work, it's really just, you know, being authentic and telling the story about like, I'm doing this thing and I'm scared shitless to do it, but I'm doing it anyway. You know, and for them, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe you're still afraid to do things like all the time. And my hope is that they feel inspired to like do the thing that's scary to them and then go create something. And I, and I feel like I've just built my business in that way of just every offer, every post is like related to that feeling of like what I want the end product to be. And that is inspiring. So kind of thinking about that parental perception, 
um, that same thing is like as a coach, my perception of like what's possible, what's possible for them, they get mm-hmm. to kind of get shaped by that. So I ask everybody this question, but what does it mean to you to live in your purpose? That means so much. For me to live in my purpose would mean doing things that I love, doing things that bring me a lot of joy. I'm a people person. So it means doing things with people to make their lives better and feel more joy. Um, and I think in my purpose, because my family and my time for like joy and relaxation is so important, I know that anything's my purpose is going to have a balance of those things. And I'm going to have time with my family. I have like location freedom, time freedom. And I know that's part of my purpose because that kind of stuff also makes me more creative and lights me up to be in these spaces where I get to just be and be with family and have these really joyous, you know, times that we can only get once in a lifetime. So I know you also started the National Association of Birth Workers of Color. So I'm curious, I I heard you speak on Duncan Trussell's podcast, and it was really enlightening to me because I it's like you clarified that like black women used to do this work for all of us in America, they, you know, and they were holding this amazing healing ability. So I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about that and about why you started this organization. Usually, and any of these like birth worker kind of fields, whether it's nursing, doulas, any of those things, you know, from the turn of the century became basically white women led professions, you know, historically, they were slaves who delivered everyone's babies. They were slaves who breastfed other people's babies. And they brought, you know, what they knew from doing things in Africa to like the herbs and the different practices they did. And they had great rates of maternal health and baby health for both people within their own community, other Black people, but also for their white slave owners and the people that they shared their towns with. And so what happened upon like the change of modern medicine, we were called modern medicine, where doctors came into the fold those midwives, which we now call granny midwives, were competition. People wanted to go see like the person who delivered their mom and their mom's mom. And that was competition for doctors. And so these women were labeled as unclean, that they weren't smart, that they were doing, you know, African voodoo, like just anything to discredit them and their work. And so eventually people saw them as being dangerous people to go to who would kill them and their babies. And we know from history that the opposite happened, that so many women died during that time because simple things like doctors at that time didn't wash their hands. And so we start seeing women going into the hospitals and actually having really bad outcomes when that began. But when we start talking about like nursing school and these other professions coming in, Black women or any women of color, were not allowed to go to these schools. And so what we had is several generations of these professions cutting out women of color. So that means that I'm now, you know, 1950, 1960, wanting to like go to a doctor or I have this issue. I would never see anyone who looked like me performing those services. And so a lot of what happened is that same kind of that midwifery model of care that people had before that allowed them to have really good outcomes was lost because you didn't have people who understood your culture or understood your family life or were telling you that the food that you were eating were unhealthy because they were just different to what they eat it really changed people's relationship with their providers. And so now that we're seeing a resurgence of women of color of all identities, we were talking about Native American, you know, Latino, Black, getting back into these professions, we are having, we're up against 100, 200 years of institutionalized bias and racism because these organizations did not have people of color in them. So their bylaws, their ethics, 
their understanding of race and gender is based on a lot of opinions versus science. And so it's been difficult to make that change. So what it's led to is for many women of color who work in these industries, they typically make a lot less than most of their white counterparts. And so when I started, I did not have this issue. I was making money. I was doing well. And I kind of said, what, what's the difference here? Like, why am I succeeding? It's not like I'm smarter than all these other people. And the sad part is, is that I kind of like went on my own and like put myself on a little island and didn't, <laughs> and didn't reach out and didn't have those interactions. Whereas I think a lot of people felt like I'm going to join these groups and they're going to help me and they're going to send me referrals. And that just didn't happen. And so I created the National Association of Birth Workers of Color so that we could start to talk about the economic disparity. Yes, we're in these professions. We're there to provide the care. That does not mean that our rates should be lower, that we shouldn't be able to make the same kind of financial gains that our, you know, white counterparts are making. And it was kind of almost like a dirty word to be talking about that back in 2017, because it's very much seen that in, you know, women-led fields, fields that are helping and healing fields, particularly if you are a person of color, there's some aspect of like, we should just be doing it because people need it. And it's not, you know, it seemed to be greedy or uncaring to want to charge people that really deserve and need these services. And so there's always that juxtaposition of like feeling like my community does need this. And am I somehow doing something wrong by wanting to be profitable? And I really aim to change that dichotomy. Like women do deserve these services, but that is not on the back of individual doulas. The government should be providing these services for these families. And that's what we can be lobbying for, like policy change. But that doesn't mean that individual doulas need to be volunteering their time to provide this for our communities. Totally. Thank you for the work that you're doing around that. And it's so amazing. As you're talking, I'm like having your chart in front of me. I'm like, this is a beautiful expression of Mars that we're experiencing. (laughs) You know, Mars, you have Mars so well placed in the 10th and it gives you this like ability to lead and really like provide a picture of what's possible at the same time and really create the pathway there, not just talk about it, not just vision on it, but actually take steps. So that's really, really beautiful. Thank you for that. So I have a few rapid fires for you. Okay. So what's one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? Hmm, So many pieces. (laughs) Okay. One piece of advice that's helped me do what you love. The rest will come. Okay. So when you're anxious, confused, or frustrated, what is the first thing you do to ground yourself? The first thing I'd probably do to ground myself is to be reminded of other times that I felt this and it got figured out. It's mm. probably the first thing that I would do. But I'm not often very anxious. It's it's probably the antithesis of my personality. So Well, maybe frustrated or confused. Like Yeah. 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 I think that's valuable though to remember that this too shall yeah. pass. Yeah. It's all yeah, I'm reminded that this is just a, like one point in time. What is your favorite hot beverage? Rooibos tea. Oh, yeah. I love rooibos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what about your last meal on earth? Gosh, it's going to be something Asian is all I can tell you. Um, I can eat. It doesn't matter where. Vietnam, Thailand, J- Japan, something involving rice and <laughs> some type of Asian food is probably what it would be. Do you have a morning routine and what part, if any, is non-negotiable for you? My morning routine is to always be inconsistent. <laughs> so, <laughs> the only non-negotiable for me is taking a shower and brushing my teeth. But my morning routine changes all the time. And it's funny you bring that up because I think for so much of my adult life, like I strive to be this more consistent and disciplined person. Like I would like look at people like, oh, I wish I could be like that. And I should be like that. And if I was like that, 
how better life and business, et cetera, would be. And then like I started doing more of this kind of work of like, you know, human design and strengths and understanding that because of how I am, I'm not a very disciplined person. I'm not a very consistent person. It has allowed me to take action fast in many areas because I didn't sit in like perfectionism or making things perfect. And if that changed, then I would be changed. I've actually come to like be okay and love that about myself. I am super interested to hear, like, I want to follow up with you because in October, you're making a really big shift from your Jupiter period to your Saturn period. Yeah. And Saturn is more about like discipline and mm-hmm. mastery. Mm-hmm. So you've mastered a lot of things. So I'm like, where's she going to go now? <laughs> like, <where? laughs> Well, I've had to be more disciplined for some projects that I'm working on to like get them out the door, which will probably be October or November. And so I think what I've learned though, is to have people within my team, my circle that complement and allow me to be more disciplined for the things that I need to be disciplined for. Well, tell us about a person who inspires you and why. Uh, There's so many people, but I would probably say like so many people, Oprah is probably, you know, just because I feel like as a kid watching her and like she has this show and it feels so good and positive and like that someone's getting paid just again, being themselves and and telling their story and telling other people's stories. I feel like she's just a good reminder of how lucrative it can be just to show up as yourself and a reminder that there doesn't have to be any like salaciousness to it or, you know, like you can just be yourself doing good things, talking about good things. And that can be something that's successful. Yeah, I grew up with Oprah. You and I are around the same age. Yeah. And she definitely had a huge <laughs> impact on me yes. as well. Um, so it's something that people might not know about you. Um, what people might not know about me, I am an amazing salsa dancer. Like, wow. I used to compete in salsa dancer. Cool. Yeah. Um, what are you reading right now? Or what do you suggest people read if they want to learn more about some of the things that you shared? First, I would say what everyone should read, I think is the big leap. I feel like I listen to it on audio. So I always tell people the first 20 minutes of that book changed my life. Because so much of what people are experiencing as what they feel are external or environmental roadblocks, for many of us are our own self imposed roadblocks. And I always tell people like, you know, much of what I'm doing now, my skill set, my abilities, my smartness, none of that has changed. The only thing that changed was my mindset. And so I wish I would have believed more was available to me 15 years ago because it really was just about me believing and those things happening. What I'm currently reading, I'm always reading like four or five books at a time. So let me just go down the Rolodex of what I'm currently reading. I'm reading Stop Acting Rich. I'm reading The Automatic Millionaire. I'm reading, again, like Steer by Starlight. I can't remember the actual, it's Martha Beck, but I can't think of the actual title of the book. But I tend to flip through and go back and forth. And I'm reading another really good book, Unrelated, called The Art of Gathering. um, Because I like to bring people together. And it just talks about kind of the science of bringing people together and people feeling included and inspired in groups. Cool. Yeah, I think I heard an interview with the the author of that book. That's the, that's a good reminder to read it. And I just want to say like I work with my clients with the big leap. So many of us are in our zone of excellence when we need to be in our zone of genius and sometimes we're afraid to like step into that zone of genius and actually be okay that it feels easy <laughs> and that it can be that way that we can make money from the things that just feel natural to us. So I think just a big shout out for that book. So thank you for sharing that. What is something that's bringing you joy right now, Brandy? Creating. You know, I'm just in a, I feel like I'm in a season of stepping into my own feeling of like leadership and thought leadership and being more visible. 
And it just feels good to create to, you know, I'm writing a book proposal right now. I'm creating a product line for parents. I've created a program for caregivers of, you know, babies from zero to 12 months. And just the season of creating and seeing like how much has been in my brain and what I've accumulated on this road, you know, this road to being where I'm at now feels really good. It brings me a lot of joy. Well, where can people find you online or connect with you? To connect with me, like uncurated, what's going on in life and, and a little bit business, you'd find me on Instagram, Brandy with an I underscore Jordan underscore official. If you're looking at for more information related to like business strategy and manifestation, I'm the Brandy Jordan on Instagram. And I also have my podcast, which is called Dear Doula. And that's on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And that's really an ode to parents at all age groups on how we can just create a bigger vision for our family lives so that we all have a little bit more joy. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Paula. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for us. I want to thank the team at Team Podcast who helped get this podcast out to you. And also to thank the musicians who were the creators of this beautiful music we're listening to now. It comes from an album, Fragments of a Season, by Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantuladesma. So check it out wherever you get your music. Have a wonderful day and we will connect soon on a future episode. 